You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello, and welcome to our podcast live from the ABA section of Antitrust Law Spring Meeting 2018. This is Gregory McLean, and I am the host for today's episode, which is being recorded on location at the ABA section of Antitrust Law Spring Meeting 2018 in Washington, D.C. Joining me now, I have Suzanne Walkstock from Amex, Forrest Treat from Microsoft, and Gail Levine from Uber. Welcome to the show. Before we get started, I wanted to say that uh, the views of my guests are theirs and theirs alone, and they do not represent the views of their employers. So with that being said, uh, let's uh, start by having you tell us a little bit about yourselves, uh, about where you work, what you do, and let's start with Suzanne. Okay, well, thank you very much. So I am Chief Antitrust Counsel at American Express. So I am I have global responsibility for all, all kinds of antitrust issues, mergers, litigation. I, I'm not a litigator, but I work closely with our litigators on all antitrust cases, as well as counseling and compliance. In that role, I do have a colleague who's based in London who handles um, the European issues, um, but I have kind of responsibility for the rest of the world. And it's been a huge variety of issues, and it's been fascinating. And I've been there for 10 years. Great. Forrest? Uh, well, I am a senior attorney at Microsoft. I am a member of our competition law group, which is composed of five pure antitrust lawyers and a team leader. Uh, we also have uh, antitrust counsel in Asia and uh, Europe as well, who help us out in those regions specifically. Uh, it's a great team, and we focus on uh, uh, all areas of antitrust, in particular counseling, uh, regulatory investigations, um, and we help out on litigation as well. We uh, divide our work up by product group mostly. So uh, I support our cloud and enterprise team, uh, which covers Microsoft products such as uh, Azure, uh, SQL Server, Visual Studio, uh, and uh, some of our other uh, cloud and enterprise-focused products, as well as the Microsoft retail stores. Great. Thank you, Forrest. Uh, Gail? Uh, hi, I'm the chief competition counsel for the United States at Uber. Uh, now, I was hired into the company, into Uber, about a year and a half ago to lead our regulatory affairs team for the United States. Um, but I've only been at Uber for a year and a half. Um, in Uber years, that, uh, that seems... <laughs> it's a lifetime. <laughs> a, 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 indeed, a lifetime. Um, it's, been, it's been terrific. It's been um, a wonderful place to work. Before coming to Uber, I was 10 years at Verizon, where um, my where I really got a taste of what um, one of the best advantages of being an in-house counsel. It's the diversity of work. You can you do a lot of any all of the folks you're talking to today can speak to the antitrust experience, but we probably can all also speak to non-antitrust roles we've enjoyed in our companies. So, for example, at Verizon. I did antitrust work, of course, but I was also doing strategic projects for our general counsel. I headed our patent team when I was at Verizon, did policy work, data security work. Uh, one of the real joys of being in-house is that you get to serve your clients in any need with respect to any need they have. Great. That's uh, very, uh, very interesting. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, you actually touched on my next question, which was to give us a little bit of background about your educational and employment experience before you join your respective employers. So uh, very interesting to hear about your breadth of experience at Verizon. Uh, Forrest, maybe you can tell us a little bit about uh, what you did before you got to Microsoft and what led you there. 
Uh, sure. Well, I have an undergraduate degree uh, uh, in business management, and then I went to Georgetown for law school. Uh, and uh, right after law school, I started out at DLA Piper. I was an antitrust litigator right from the start. I uh, got my start on the air cargo cases back in the, the mid-2000s and uh, moved from there into doing some uh, uh, other antitrust litigation work as well as merger work. Um, I moved over to Sherman and Sterling in 2009. And uh, from there, I, I continued continued working on mostly antitrust litigation cases as well as some other uh, more general litigation and, and government investigation type cases. Uh, I came to Microsoft in 2012 um, and uh, I think I uh, uh, came to Microsoft because I've always had a, a huge interest in technology. Uh, I think I was able to make that very apparent uh, to Microsoft uh, in, in my application materials and my interview. And, and Microsoft was really t- kind of top of my list uh, uh, in terms of potential employers. So uh, I think it worked out well for, for both of us, and uh, it, it, was, uh, it was meant to be. Great. I'm happy to hear that. Suzanne. Um, yeah, so I always like to, t- to tell this story that I was at I was at Harvard for law school, but antitrust sounded boring, so I didn't take <laughs> it. Um, and then I came to Davis Polk as my first job out of law school, and I happened to sit on the same floor as uh, the antitrust litigators. So they brought me into a few matters. I did deal work, and then I started doing litigation, and I really fell in love with it. And one of the partners I worked closely with there made the point of saying he preferred to work with young associates who had not taken antitrust in law school because he said the people who took it were always thinking about what the law should be. And he said, I don't care what the law should be. I need you to understand what the law is. So I thought that was a good lesson to to take with me. Um, And I was at Davis Polk for about three years, and then I moved to a firm in Connecticut, Wigan and Dana. Um, I started off doing complex civil litigation, appellate, uh, white collar, and antitrust. And a few years in, um, my mentors at the firm said it would be good for the firm and for me to specialize. Um, And collectively, uh, we decided antitrust would be a great focus. Um, And that was really when I became a full-fledged, about as a fifth year or so, full-fledged antitrust uh, lawyer. I stayed at Wigan for nine years. I was a partner there. Um, I wasn't really looking, but I saw that that Amex was looking for an in-house lawyer, and I talked to folks and loved them, and that was in 2007, and it's been a pretty busy 10 years. Oh, that's great. So, Forrest, uh, Suzanne, you've told me a little bit about your experience in private practice. Gail, did you work in private practice before joining Verizon? I didn't. I worked for the government. Oh, okay. Uh, I spent about 10 years all in at first the Justice Department and then at the Federal Trade Commission. When I was at the Justice Department, I, I, I came in through the honors program and was a, a federal district court litigator for the just for, for the United States in the federal programs branch of the civil division. When I was there, I handled a, a number of cases. The nice thing about when you work for the government, by the way, is that you make you have the the, the privilege of making all your own mistakes. Um, and uh, you can do that from you, you, you handle discovery, you handle document production, you handle uh, you know, the mundane to the issues like you know, settling the case, negotiating the settlement, arguing in front of judges and district courts. Um, after doing that for about five or six years to where I felt like I had um, 
learned quite solidly how to litigate a case. I moved over to the Justice, uh, from the Justice Department over to the Federal Trade Commission. Uh, the Federal Trade Commission in that time, this is 1999, was really doing the cutting edge work in the federal government on high tech issues. So I joined there to work on a lot of high tech innovation issues, first in the general counsel's office and then for the chairman. Oh, that's great. So that background in high tech certainly helped, I'm sure, as you moved into uh, an in-house role. So what would you say are the most striking differences between government work and your in-house role? And in particular, what do you like the most about an in-house position? The best thing about working at both Uber and Verizon is being close to my clients. I've been privileged to work for business people who are absolutely passionate about what they're doing and about the services they're offering to our to our users, and it's just a treat to get to work for them. Forrest, same question, but definitely curious to know what the distinctions are for you between private practice and in-house, and what you really like about being in-house at Microsoft. Well, sure. I think uh, I, I think the biggest one that people notice first is the lack of billable hours. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's nice to get out from under that. Um, uh, uh, sort of day-to-day stress, uh, and and the focus is really just on getting the work done. Uh, and once the work is done, you're done. Uh, and <laughs> it's it's is, a, it's is a the nice work, feeling. Is, does your work ever <laughs> get done? <laughs> <laughs> that begs the question. Yeah. Uh, you you at Microsoft, you guys are very efficient. Yes, uh, we're, we're efficient but busy for sure. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's nice to not have to uh, uh, keep track of uh, you know what what you're billing the clients for. And um, I think that actually makes things more efficient. Um, I also agree uh, with Gail on that uh, it, it lets you get really close to your clients. Uh, and I, I love that part about it. Um, it's it's so nice to be able to um, really get a deep, deep focus on the business uh, side of things and, and the industry that you're in. Uh, and I think being in-house allows you to do that to a greater extent uh, than than being a law firm lawyer just purely from the uh, circumstance that law, law firm lawyers have multiple clients, and, and those clients might be in multiple different industries or, and certainly different businesses uh, and business models. So that's uh, a second advantage. And uh, I, I think uh, the, the other thing that I've noticed about in-house practice is that uh, it's it's far more about what can be accomplished practically uh, than in theory, uh, and I think that's something that uh, uh, law firms uh, uh, are very good at is is coming up with you know the theory of how things should work and what you should be able to accomplish. Um, whereas uh, when you're in house uh, and you know your clients uh, and and you know what your clients' uh, uh, capabilities are as well as their limitations, uh, it, it gives you much. Uh, better view of, of what can be accomplished uh, from a practical sense rather than a, a theoretical sense. And that's an important difference. Of course. Very interesting. Suzanne, same question. Um, sure. Yeah, and I would echo everything that Gail and Forrest have said. I guess what I would add is when I left uh, my my firm, I was a young partner. And so everything's about rainmaking and trying to find clients and business. And I like to say that when I came in-house, it became about finding an umbrella big enough because <laughs> everything's coming down at you. And I, I, I really, it took a little while to get used to that, but I love that about it. It's constant. I don't think I could keep track of my time if I needed to because there's so many issues coming from every direction. And you're not, I mean, as Farah said, it's not theoretical. These are real questions. They're real clients. 
Um, and so you're really dealing with practical issues all day long. And I think the other thing I would say is that when I took the job, um, somebody who was close to the company at the time told me that she actually had been in the role before I came, and she she told me that she felt that the role antitrust is kind of the best role at the company because you touch everything. You know, you see you're not isolated to any particular business unit or part of the company. You know, I, I work with everyone across the company globally, and I think it. it I think surprisingly. I've touched a breadth of antitrust issues that I really wouldn't have expected, and I really have a, a, a connection with clients across the, the company and business units, and it's been no days boring. That's great to hear. Nobody likes boring days, that's for sure. So turning actually back to something that you mentioned a few minutes ago, Suzanne, I'm always, I always find it fascinating. So many antitrust lawyers kind of end up in antitrust accidentally. I, I'm one of them. It's At least in Canada, we don't really hear about it. Uh, it's not marketed to us as an area of law you can practice. So I fell into it accidentally when I just articled at a law firm and, and uh, you know, got roped into a, a case and, and it ended up just changing my life. It was, it was great. So here we are talking to presumably young lawyers, uh, young students, uh, hopefully who have uh, an interest in antitrust or are curious about antitrust. So what would you recommend to them, uh, those young lawyers who may not know much uh, or young, almost lawyers who may not know much uh, and want to know more uh, about potentially being an, uh, an antitrust lawyer. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you're asking about advice or where they can learn more, but let me start maybe with advice, I guess. I'd say both. Okay. So just as a piece <laughs> of advice, I guess, somebody said this to me very early in my career, and it was probably the best advice that I got, which is don't assume you know what your next step will be. Be open-minded. Um, you know, learn everything you can. Talk to as many people as you can. Get involved. And I think we'll talk about the section. I think it's been a terrific uh, way to meet people and learn about the the, the, uh, the the space. But I think just in general, be open-minded. I would not have anticipated that I would end up in-house at American Express. Um, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, certainly not in law school. Um, and that's been, I think, a, a great pleasure of my career has been, you know, kind of things evolving organically and, and not always knowing what the next step would be. It's great, Forrest. Anything to add? I don't know that I can top that answer. It's so good. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I would say, uh, you know, there, there are a ton of opportunities to, to both network and learn about antitrust. Uh, you know, if, if you're still a law student, uh, certainly take an antitrust class. Uh, why not? But, you know, Greg, I was like you. I kind of fell into antitrust after I uh, had already graduated. I think what, what gave me the most value was networking at, at events, as well as sort of getting a little bit nerdy about it and going on the internet and reading papers. Because if there's one thing antitrust lawyers love to do, it's write papers. Uh, and they're all over the place. And there's so much, uh, there's such a wealth of information uh, on the internet uh, that uh, you can study up on and, and, uh, and learn more about uh, antitrust and not only uh, get kind of deeply involved in some of the hot topics, but also, you know, to see if, uh, if you're interested in it. That's great advice. And Gail, anything to add? I'll, I'll second all of that and add one more bit of advice. If you're serious about thinking about antitrust, embrace economics. Read up on it. Take classes on law and economics. For goodness sake, read Freakonomics or listen to their <laughs> podcast or all of those, you know, um, uh, all of that literature uh, on um, economics and rational thinking. The One of the beauties of being an antitrust lawyer is that you've become, when you when you become one, you become part of, an, of a, a philosophy of thinking like a business person, 
right? You're forced to think about the economics of the company's decisions, about what it does, how its actions affect the market, how the market reacts to its decisions. You start thinking like an economist. You start thinking like a business person. And uh, that's uh, one of the disciplines of this corner of the law that I've enjoyed the most. That's right. Take your economics courses. Uh, Very good advice. I have sort of two more questions, but uh, I'll try this one. So what do you think will be the key antitrust enforcement and compliance trends in the coming years that young or future practitioners should become well-versed in? Gail, you want to start? I think you absolutely need to know your American law. But you also need to know about international law, too. Uh, Some of the uh, critical movements in antitrust law have happened not just here in Washington, but also overseas. So get smart on your U.S. law, but also get smart on what's going on overseas. I think that's great advice. As a Canadian lawyer, uh, we uh, <laughs> we we have to follow closely American law because there's uh, there's so many similarities between our our antitrust laws and yours, but also your law is just so much better developed than ours. We're part of the reason why we're here so often at these meetings is to make sure we're on top of it, uh, and we can get that international perspective. That's great advice, Forrest. Yeah, I, I would totally second uh, what Gail said, and 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 even to follow up on what you said, you know, we we are see because the the law is so mature in the United States, uh, we're seeing a, a lot of movement and development um, uh, internationally. Uh, and so anyone who's interested in antitrust law should keep an eye at least um, on, on developments overseas. Um, and as, in terms of specific topics, you know, I have a very tech focus, uh, as, as you might imagine. Uh, so I, I'd say we're seeing the most interest in topics like big data, uh, platforms and platform regulation, and artificial intelligence. All, now, all topics that are uh, the subject of panels, uh, either this year or in previous years, and so uh, this is a great opportunity here to uh, learn up on uh, on those. Suzanne? Yeah, I, I guess Forrest stole my thunder. I was going to say big data, algorithms, AI. I mean, I think there were three panels already that I've been in uh, on, on those topics, and I, I, you know, it's one of those areas that I think young lawyers uh, listening to this probably know a lot more about the technical side than I do. I'm not going to speak for the group, but certainly than I do. Um, so I think, I, I think though, what I would emphasize, though, and this was emphasized in some of the panels, is that the principles are still what they were decades ago, there, the law is evolving, but the principles apply to new facts. So I think, you know, I think everyone needs to be really well versed in the, in the basics and then, you know, apply that to whatever the, the hot area um, happens to be. And again, I think now it is big data and tech, um, but whatever it is, you know, the basic principles of antitrust law are, are what they are, U.S., um, Europe, and elsewhere. And, and I'll add to Suzanne and, and, and to Forrest's list by putting in uh, privacy into the mix, too. I think that, you know, and, and far as you already alluded to it by talking about big data, but I'll just call it out expressly. Um, I think that uh, there's, there is, in the vanguard of antitrust uh, intellectual leadership, there are um, concepts that uh, uh, point toward a relationship between antitrust law and privacy law that I think are going to be explored much more deeply in the future. I agree. I think that's great advice. So uh, for my last question, I want you to to tell me a little bit about uh, your role uh, in the section. Uh, Maybe tell us a little bit about how you've gotten involved, how the section has helped you, how you've contributed to the section uh, to help give our listeners an idea of how they can maybe get involved and, and, and do their part. You want to start with you, Gail? So over the years, I've been involved with the section 
um, in a number of roles, but some of my favorites have been as a vice chair of what used to be called the Computer and Internet Committee. Isn't that oh quaint? <laughs> <laughs> that there was a committee that was dedicated to the computer? It's like imagining a committee that was, in, that was dedicated to the pen right. or pen and paper. Um, but yes, being a, a, a vice chair of that committee was a great pleasure, and then later a chair. Um, I loved serving on the council for a number of years and on the nominating committee and, and other, in other roles. If I had advice to a young lawyer interested in getting more involved in antitrust today, I would say volunteer, get engaged. It almost doesn't matter what role you volunteer for, but volunteer. It's a great opportunity to learn a lot about the law and to meet people who are as excited about the legal developments and about uh, the, the, the important business their clients are up to as you are. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and that's how I got my start uh, in the section. I, I volunteered. I uh, helped to write some of the annual updates uh, to antitrust law developments. Um, and uh, I, I uh, worked on uh, uh, site checking and, and blue booking uh, articles uh, and, and various papers. Uh, my boss at the time was fairly involved in the section, but that kind of evolved into um, a role in the leadership uh, so I started out as a vice chair on the Books and Treatises Committee uh, uh, about six years ago. Um, I moved uh, a couple of years ago on to the Unilateral Conduct Committee, uh, where I'm also a vice chair. Um, and, and I think uh, just volunteering, the, the section needs so much help from volunteers that it's very easy to get in on that level uh, uh, and, uh, and help out there. And from there, uh, getting involved in whatever opportunities you might want to get involved in is, is fairly simple. And the networking is, is great, so I can't recommend it highly enough. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Suzanne? Yeah, so I'll echo what everybody has said. I guess my involvement started fairly early in my career. One of my mentors was very involved in the section, and he encouraged me. Um, over the years, I've been a chair and vice chair of distribution and franchising committee, insurance and financial services. I've been on a task force. Um, I'm currently chair, co-chair of the uh, of the corporate counseling committee. I would highly recommend if people want to get materials, look on, on the, uh, the website. Um, and also as everyone has said, please, we need volunteers. Um, and I really can't speak highly enough about the, the networking opportunities. I mean, it, it helps you meet people in government, you meet colleagues in, uh, in-house, um, for, for folks who are in, in law firms, just there's so many opportunities just to, to meet people outside your small circle. Um, and it's also fun. You know, we have good friends within the section now and it's a terrific uh you know we love getting together and there are lots of opportunities as well as uh, the opportunities to work yeah it's a lot of work but it's a lot of fun mm -hmm. this uh, especially this meeting for sure mm -hmm. so i think that uh brings us to uh, the end of our program so i want to thank all of you for uh, for joining us today and for your valuable insight i think uh, our listeners will appreciate it uh if our listeners have questions uh wish to follow up on you how should they reach you gail gail.levine at uber.com. You can look me up, uh, Forest Treat on LinkedIn. Look me up, Suzanne Walkstock at LinkedIn. I think giving my email would take too long. <laughs> <laughs> great. Well, uh, uh, that's great. Uh, this concludes another podcast from the ABA section of Antitrust Law, Spring Meeting 2018. If you like what you heard, please find us and rate us in Apple Podcasts. I'm Greg McLean, and until next time, thank you for listening. 
The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank you.